welcome to Harvest Birth Stories, where we support mamas pre, post, and during birth. My name is Sophie Grace, and I will be your host for this podcast. We want to share empowering birth stories across the United States and beyond, and encourage mothers all around the world to feel proud and empowered by any story that they may have experienced. Let's get into the podcast. Thank you for listening. Just welcome, Emily. So welcome to the podcast. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me. Um, before we jump into all things birth, which I'm really excited to talk to you about yours today, um, I want you to kind of give us a little backstory of like who you are, um, what you do, and you can go on and as in-depth if you want to. I do not care. <laughs> All right. Um, well, I am Dr. Emily Acosta. I'm a pediatric prenatal and family chiropractor um, in the Fargo-Moorhead area. And I've been doing it for about 10 years. And really, probably after about the first three years, really realized that pediatric and pregnancy and just family wellness care was really my my jam. Mm-hmm. Um, it lights me up and just gives me all the joy um, working with those population groups. And so I've done some extra training in kind of learning those population groups just because they're a little bit different, obviously still humans and still still people, but um, just been a really, really fun journey. Uh, I've learned a lot from obviously the patients that I take care of and the experiences that I've gotten to have, but um, yeah, it's just been a really, really cool journey. I uh, moved back to the Midwest after having lived out East for a while. Um, when I met my husband and we kind of grounded ourselves in Fargo and then two little two and a half years ago we had our first son or I guess our only son Lucas <laughs> um, and so we um, yeah we've just been busy obviously running the practice and my husband's also self-employed and raising our kid and uh, we also have a super adorable Labrador so yeah you got to include the dogs oh he is he was our first child so yes him (laughs) um can you I guess for all the moms or pregnant women listening kind of explain why chiropractic work is important during pregnancy and I guess if you wanted to you could kind of explain like the Webster method too because I know I mean I'm not super um, educated on that, but it'd be cool to like, listen to somebody who like actually knows what they're talking about. I love it. Um, yeah, absolutely. So a lot of women, especially their first pregnancy, uh, sometimes just have a little bit of that uncertainty, hesitation, you know, I don't really know what this is going to be like or what I need to be doing. And there's just information overload. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and no, (laughs) yeah, I mean, I've been through it myself, so I understand that (laughs) as well, but, um, Chiropractic, especially really prenatal or Webster certified, is is just an extra certification that some chiropractors will go through uh, to really just master the prenatal population. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is such a helpful tool for pregnant women. Um, if you think about it, and anyone who's been pregnant 
or is pregnant can attest to this that the body is changing so rapidly yeah which is just miraculous right when you really think about it um but when a woman is pregnant their pelvis the pelvic alignment is going to be really really critical in um number one comfort during pregnancy but number two really the birth outcome um anyone who has maybe had their pelvis misaligned can kind of speak to this as well, but it's not super comfortable. Mm-hmm. So that makes pregnancy a lot more challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously if something's painful or, or having a lot of discomfort, that can also cause other problems as well. Um, and so besides the comfort factor though, cause everybody can, anyone who's been to a chiropractor can say, you know, yes, I feel so much better when I'm well adjusted and aligned. Um, but a lot of times we see a very strong correlation with birth outcome as well. Mm-hmm. Um, And the main reason for that is that when the pelvis is in alignment and the nervous system is free and clear from any stress or the big word for it is called subluxation, Mm -hmm. uh, the body really is able to, yeah, it's a big, it's a big word, but uh, the body is really able to do exactly what it was designed to do. Mm -hmm. So if you think about, you know, a state of balance within the human body in its when it is balanced, everything's functioning and coordinating and connecting perfectly. Whereas if the signaling through the nervous system just isn't really firing on all cylinders or there's, you know, something interfering with that, um, ultimately the outcome of that is going to either be something less than optimal, right? Yeah. yeah. And so it's a, there's a lot to it, but um, specifically with pregnancy, and this is where Webster certification comes in, um, if the pelvis is aligned, and that includes, you know, the bony structures, the muscles, the, the ligaments that attach to the uterus, if everything is balanced and in a relaxed state, um, that leaves more room for the baby to get into the proper position and to be able to move about and not be restricted. Mm-hmm. Uh, because if the pelvic pelvis is tilted or any torsion within that, uh, it basically... And I wish you guys could all see like an image of this, but you're probably uh, like, more, like talking with your hands right now. Yeah, I, I totally am. Wringing <laughs> like a wash rag, right? Like the uterus basically kind of torques, and that doesn't allow baby to have all of that, you know, nice loose area to move around and, and to get into the proper position mm-hmm. for the process. And so, obviously, everybody's really familiar with, you know, if babies breach, like that obviously isn't an optimal position. Mm-hmm. Still possible, uh, but just not optimal for a, mm-hmm. for a smooth, easy, you know, less painful birth. So yeah. Yeah. See, everybody should listen and they'll, they'll know they, they should do this. <laughs> well, and I was going to say, so um, people always ask, like, you know, is chiropractic, like, does it matter who I see? Um, and my, my thing would be, you know, obviously seek out somebody who has experience working with pregnant women. Mm-hmm. Um, all chiropractic is beneficial. Um, but specifically when you're wanting, a, you know, a specific prenatal type care, one of the best resources would be to go to um, ICPA4, like the number four kids.org. Mm-hmm. And you can actually type your zip code in and find all of the Webster certified chiropractors in your area. Oh, cool. That's neat. So super good resource. Um, so then I guess I want you to kind of, if, if this is your realm, which I assume it is, um, talk about maybe a little bit like after birth. Cause like when I had my son, he was 
only looking one way or whatever they call that. So Mm -hmm. I'm a chiropractor for that. And I guess just maybe kind of touch lightly on like why it's important for like babies after birth, maybe to see a chiropractor. Yes. I'm so glad you asked that too. That's like one of the most rewarding things on our end at our clinic is when a pregnant mom goes through their whole pregnancy getting adjusted and we're all just anticipating meeting baby. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, regardless of how birth went, my I, I will say this until the day I die, the best gift you can possibly give your child is starting life with a freely functioning, I should say perfectly functioning nervous system. <laughs> um, because when you think about it, when a baby is born, and just think about birth in general, birth is one of the biggest stressful or, you know, you could say trauma, but I don't want to say that because that is associated with negative things. But um, it's a lot, like, for mm-hmm. both the mother and the baby. If you, and I joke, especially with the dad, I joke about this, thinking, you know, if if I pulled you, and not, not that birth should be this way, but if you came shooting through a mailbox, <laughs> that's about what a baby's body goes through. Right? you know, squished and moved and yeah. And just being in utero scrunched in a tiny position for months on end. Um, mm-hmm. that's a lot on, on their little bodies, um, which you can even kind of tell when babies come out, they, they like to have some specific positioning just yep. like how they hold themselves. And a lot of times that's the position that they were in, in utero. Yep. <laughs> uh, and so it's kind of a, like an unwinding process to let their nervous system relax and kind of come into that proper positioning. Um, and yeah, so anyways, in terms of an infant, um, obviously we do a thorough exam and a, a comprehensive birth history to know exactly what type of stress they went through. Um, and something I've really noticed over the years too is that a lot of correlation between like types of birth in terms of presentation with the infant Mm-hmm. Um, meaning if, you know, if it was really a long labor and they were stuck in the pelvis for a long time or the opposite of that, where they maybe came flying out really fast, really intense. Um, a lot of those babies will have very similar presentations and even sometimes similar symptoms, meaning, you know, they're fussier, they're more stressed out, they aren't pooping, they're not sleeping very well. Mm-hmm. Um, those are some common ones. Or even like you said, with your son, kind of having that favoritism looking one way. Yep. Um, a lot of times that is going to be a neurological issue or, or subluxation up in the upper portion of the neck, um, which can really affect their, you know, their ability to, to turn both ways or to latch or, mm-hmm. um, yeah, even just neurodevelopmental milestones, like hitting those on target. So. And like, can it kind of affect their, like, some kids get like flat heads or whatever, if they only look one way or mm-hmm. yep. like or whatever it's called. I'm just throwing yeah. out words. I'm guessing that are right. <laughs> yeah, you're on it. You spot on. Yeah. Uh, and that's the cool part is even if your baby doesn't have those issues, if they start and everything's perfect, now their development and their growth are going to be with way, it's just going to be way easier for them. Right. Mm-hmm. And they're not having to overcome some of those struggles. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's why I just get so passionate about <laughs> as well. So, yeah. Okay. Well, we'll jump into like birth stuff now, I guess. <laughs> we can touch on this later if you have more to say. Don't don't feel like you can't say anything else because I'm, I'm here for it. Um, <laughs> but if you want to, you can kind of start your journey to, I guess, 
pregnancy and motherhood and how that looked for your family right away and maybe how your pregnancy went and we'll go from there. Yeah. Um, so let's see. Our story was definitely very, very blessed in terms of um, conception. Uh, we got pregnant right away. And um, I also was very, very blessed with a, I don't want to say easy pregnancy, but I want to say pretty non-hiccupy <laughs> pregnancy, <laughs> if that's a word. Uh, but so let's see. Yeah, I had like a little bit of the, you know, just kind of feeling blah in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, no major morning sickness. Um, yeah, just really, really good. And I was, was really grateful for that at that point in my life because I was actually a sole practitioner um, with a pretty early on uh, business ownership. So meaning I had started my clinic uh, within a year or two, which that's kind of one of those critical time frames of just really building clientele and, you know, paying bills and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I was really grateful that I was not out sick <laughs> all the time and, you know, dealing with back issues or any discomfort um, because I needed to be physically on in order to take care of all of my clients. Right. And so, yeah. Um, but as it got, you know, towards the, the end of pregnancy, um, I was able to adjust actually, I'm trying to remember. I want to say I was like for sure 40 weeks or like 39. and <laughs> Just the big old belly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it got in the way a little bit, but we were able to make do. So <laughs> that so, was a really cool blessing. Um, before we jump into anything like farther down, is there anything, <clears throat> sorry, anything that you can um, talk about with like how you decided to pick like your care team and where you're having your baby. And then also, I guess, how you prepped and got ready for your birth. Yeah. Yep. Um, So one other, I would say, I'm going to definitely say blessing is that being a prenatal and pediatric provider, I knew already a lot of the other birth providers Mm -hmm. um, or knew about them or knew something, you know, yeah, I guess like who I wanted to reach out to. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of that actually made it more difficult for me because I felt like I almost had too many options <laughs> and there's just so many great providers in the area. And so, um, I interviewed two midwives, um, and loved both of them. Um, there was a, there was one other one that I, I wanted to, but she just was really far away, mm-hmm. like lives really far away. And my husband's biggest thing was that uh, he just wanted them to for sure be there. <laughs> and, so, um, and, uh, yes. So we also had made the decision even before we were pregnant that we would have a home birth mm-hmm. and, um, the midwife, the midwife that we were going to choose then needed to be someone who we both liked and both resonated with and trusted and all of that. And so, um, we ended up choosing one that was local to the area so that we knew she would be there partly because mm-hmm. the baby was in February. And yeah. so there was a snowstorm. My husband didn't want to be all on his own for our first birth. Yeah. Uh, and it, it is important, I guess, especially, especially when you're having a home birth to have your partner feel very comfortable as well. Like it's not just about you at that point, because they're the one that's going to be there helping with everything too. Absolutely. Yep. For sure. Um, and so, so yeah, we ended up, um, choosing our midwife and then the, the really cool part 
was, and I had just asked, I said, you know, I know you typically have um, your own assistants, but would you be willing to have the other midwife that I had interviewed as the assistant? And so she's like, absolutely. Like I know her well, and this would be really fun. Mm -hmm. And so I actually got to have two midwives that I loved both. Um, and then also had a friend of mine who um, I just love and trust, who is also a doula. She was also there with us as well. So it was just our two midwives, um, our doula, my husband, and then of course our dog was there <laughs> for the whole process. Yeah, I was so. going to say, don't forget about the dog. You wrote some things <laughs> in your in your questionnaire about that, so we got to make sure he's there. <laughs> <laughs> Who's he's the best for <laughs> Um, so what did you do to kind of prepare after you chose your team and had your, I guess, tentative birth plan? Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, to be honest, I wish I would have had time to do more. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a little bit just with balancing, you know, running a business and trying to kind of prepare it for me to be gone for a maternity leave. Um, there wasn't a lot of time to really think for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that is one thing that I tell every mom is especially during pregnancy, like this is the period of time. Sure, you might be tired. Sure, you might not feel 100%. But this is the period of time that you have, you can sleep. <laughs> you don't yeah. have another human yet, especially for the first time moms, right? Where you, this is your time to really mentally and emotionally and spiritually and physically prepare um, for birth and for motherhood. And uh, for me, looking back at it all, I was too busy and a little bit too overwhelmed and stressed with everything else going on that I didn't really spend a ton of time thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, I listened to podcasts, like birth podcasts and listened to audiobooks, you know, Ina May's book and a few others just to like mentally be in that space. Um, I also was getting every single week at a minimum of once a week, I was getting adjusted. <laughs> Another pediatric and ICPA certified, uh, Webster certified chiropractor in town. Um, and that was phenomenal. I, I truly can say that that's probably why I was able to adjust my own patients until I was 40 weeks pregnant. Mm-hmm. Um, because I don't know how, how my body would have handled the, the added stress of every day bending over people all day long. So I guess coming from a, a viewpoint as somebody who works on pregnant people and then being pregnant and working and being worked on, was that kind of like a cool side to be on so you could realize what it's like to be on the other side of it? Absolutely. Yeah. I would say the whole the whole process, right? Like being a working with a pregnant and pediatric population prior to going through that myself, there's a lot that you know as like head knowledge. Mm-hmm. Once I had been through it myself, it was an entire another layer of just being able to really connect and understand and empathize and just all the things. So yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree for sure. Like I feel like after I had my son, like there's just so many things that I like see from a different perspective now than I did before. Totally, which is good. But absolutely, yeah. So I guess if you want to, you can kind of go into maybe your final weeks and just kind of give us the lowdown on how everything went. And then if you want to, you can, if it brings you right into birth, just transition right on in and keep talking. (laughs) All right. Um, Let's see. So, uh, oh, actually one thing I just want to touch on. um, Mm -hmm. This was one thing I mentally did preparation wise. So one of the number one things before I get jump into what you just said, Mm -hmm. that I 
you with first-time moms is an extreme impatience for baby to get here. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Wow, and I get it. It's like all you want is your baby to be in your arms and not pregnant anymore and not, you know, with swollen feet and uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing I did is I mentally, and I can truly say like I really mentally did this, was I pretty much planned for my due date to be at 41 weeks. Yeah. And the reason for that is because so many first-time moms, the due date, and I use that in quotes, is so up in the air, right? Like it could be two weeks earlier. It could be two weeks later. Um, There's just a wider range of when baby's going to come. And so mentally, I see this time and time again where first-time moms are just so frustrated when they hit that 40-week mark and baby's not here. Mm-hmm. And when when you really think about how the nervous system works, when we get kind of in that frustrated zone, our body shifts more to that stress response or that like kind of fight or flight, mm-hmm. which in turn kind of shuts down the body from being in a safe place to give birth, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And so that can also lead to even more, I don't want to say complications, but more pieces of the puzzle in terms of going into labor. Yeah, you know, I was... It's so funny because I was just talking to one of my um, friends the other day about birth and we were talking about like when you go into labor, like please make sure that your environment is um, comfortable and you're, you know, because I compared it to pooping (laughs) because it's like if you're rushed into the bathroom, you can't go. It's kind of the same thing. It's like, if you're rushing your body into having this baby, it's going to be like, no, uh-uh, not happening. Exactly. <laughs> well, the best way to kind of break that down even more is when we, when we talk about fight or flight or rest and digest. Mm-hmm. So fight or flight is the sympathetic is the big word for it, part of the nervous system, whereas the rest and digest is the parasympathetic. Well, all, this sounds gross, but like all things passing through the body require a parasympathetic response. So that rest and digest relaxation response. Mm -hmm. And so if you were being chased, let's just say chased by a tiger, there's no way your body is going to say, Hey, I should take a poop. Yeah. Right. Like fight or flight zone. And it's not ready for that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so (laughs) kind of a funny way of explaining it, but it just makes sense, right? Like when our body's in that, relaxed state that's when all the 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 magic happens yep yeah no when you think about it though it's like when you're in a public place trying to go and you're trying (laughs) to like force it out it's like not gonna happen (laughs) like well we might as well just try this another time yeah we'll just we'll just wait (laughs) (laughs) i mean enough about pooping go into your birth it might entail some pooping but whatever (laughs) (laughs) so uh let's see so 40 I think I was 40 and four and um, let's see, I'm trying to remember. I don't, it's been a couple of years, so bear with me on the details, but uh, I do remember losing part of my mucus plug. And so that had kind of signaled to me like, okay, I'm, I'm probably getting fairly close. And I, I know that can be up in the air as well. Um, but once that happened, my mindset kind of shifted like, okay, like what else can I be doing in these you know, next few hours, few days to just really be getting my body ready. Um, And so I don't know if any of you have heard about the mile circuit, but 
it's just a series of a couple different positions and exercises that really help optimize baby's positioning and kind of get them, you know, as engaged into the pelvis as possible. Yep. Um, and so I remember doing that once or twice. Um, it was like a weekend, so I had a little bit extra time. And um, then it would have been the next day. I was kind of doing some last minute, like running some errands and grabbing some groceries. And um, that night I had, it, it was freezing cold. Like a storm was actually coming in, winter storm. Of course. It was, of course it was. <laughs> I think it was the last storm of the of the season actually. Um, but I was like, you know what? Like, I'm just going to bundle up. And I remember like throwing my husband's snow pants on and like waddling around the block a couple of <laughs> times <laughs> and even kind of feeling some, and again, first time mom. So I'm like, is this what it like, what was that? Just tightening where I would be walking and kind of have to stop and just let the tightening kind of calm down. Mm-hmm. And so, um, at the end of the day, crawled into bed, was exhausted Um, and then I was just about to fall asleep and I'm not kidding you when I say this, our entire bed like shook like an earthquake, but (laughs) very violently and my whole body seized up and basically it felt like my son had like karate chop kicked my uterus (laughs) and I like felt, felt a little bit of my water kind of break instantly as my body was like seized up. And my husband like looked over at me. He's like, what the heck was that? (laughs) And I like could barely talk because it was so intense. But I was like, ah, here we go. Like that was crazy. Mm. Uh, He's like, I thought you like jerked awake, like from like, you know, the dreams where you're like falling. Mm -hmm. That's like what it felt like to him. But it was literally my son karate chopping my insides. (laughs) I was like I'm ready to come out now yes and that is his personality to this day so there you have it probably if you would have been standing up it probably would have been like the the movie gush or something (laughs) waters that never actually happens but everybody seems to think that's what it's gonna be like totally (laughs) so after that happened um I basically crawled out of bed and contractions actually actually started pretty intense for me um I don't remember all the specifics of it, but they were fairly close together. And I want to say probably around like the only like 30 second mark, but mm-hmm. uh, enough to where I was like, whoa, like this was not what I expected. Mm-hmm. Like just from hearing people talk about births and reading about birth is like, okay, like it's, you know, this is probably going to be a longer process and it takes a while to kind of get things going and, and then it ramps up at the end. But for mm-hmm. me, it was like, if this is what the slow part is going to be like, like, oh my goodness. Um, But then uh, I ended up kind of jumping in the shower for a little bit and just let the hot water kind of soothe a little bit. And kind of had that moment where I'm like, you know, I'm kind of bracing for like a 24 to 48 hour, 36 hour, somewhere in there, like birth process. Mm-hmm. And so I know you're not, especially for home births, right? Like you're not supposed to call the midwife like right when your first sign of birth is because like they don't want to come sit at your house for days on end was, my, was what my mindset was. Right. And so I kind of labored through a few of them and they were still fairly intense. And I, my husband was kind of trying to do some last minute, you know, get stuff ready. And uh, we had waited to put the birth pool liner in because we didn't want like dog hair to get in there and. <laughs> He was like downstairs trying to like get this thing on 
and it was a disaster. He like couldn't figure out how to get it on because the pool was already blown up and it just, <laughs> it was pretty comical at the end of it all. But um, so anyways, I, I texted my doula and kind of let her know like, hey, here's where things are at. Uh, what do you, what do you think? And she was like, well, you know, I definitely think it's wise to just let um, your midwife know. And mm-hmm. so I did that. And uh, she's like, okay, well, I'm going to start getting ready and coming over because it, it sounds like things are moving along pretty well. Um, and so basically when she got there, we kind of moved from our bedroom, which was upstairs, down to the downstairs, which is where I had kind of planned on giving birth because that's where the birth pool was set up and just a more like kind of darker, more relaxing area where all of our providers and family, my family could be surrounding me Mm -hmm. um and so from there and this is where the time gap comes because I was out of it I was in the zone just focusing on each contraction but in labor land in labor land exactly (laughs) um I basically like laid on my couch and whether I was like sidelining or just you know changing up some positions I just labored there for hours um I didn't really have too much of an appetite was trying to kind of you know get some fluids and some fruit in but wasn't super interested in that and um during I think yeah on that one of those contractions I did end up throwing up because it was pretty intense yeah yeah so um so yeah no poop I did not poop which I was really pumped <laughs> about just just vomit once so <laughs> um let's see here and then once and yeah I was such in the zone I didn't really talk or do a whole lot but um once the birth pool was pretty much filled up and ready to roll I did end up moving in there and you guys if you ever have the option to labor in a birth pool it is magical Mm -hmm. and I say that because it was almost like an instant wave of just relief Mm -hmm. Uh, and I know for me right like having a home birth there aren't any other real options for relief, I should say. Um, And so I know some people had asked me like, oh, well, you know, didn't didn't you want medication or didn't you want whatever? And to be honest, like when you're not in an environment where it's being offered to you, it it didn't even cross my mind once. Like I didn't ever think that like, oh, I can't do this or, oh, it hurts too much. I just, that's the zone I was in. Mm-hmm. It was like, this is where we are and this is what we're doing, um, which was really empowering. Like at the end of it all, I was like, whoa, like that was amazing. Yeah. Um, and so uh, anyways, the birth pool was amazing. It was really, really awesome. Um, one thing for uh, my birth was um, when I was laboring on my hands and knees, my midwife had been checking um, fetal tones and had kept noticing that every time I was on my hands and knees, he started to have heart D cells. Mm. And she kind of started, I could see the look on her face. Like she just was a little bit, you know, wanting to make sure that everything was good. Just like aware. Yeah. Yeah. And also a funny, fun fact was my midwife was actually pregnant also and so I felt so bad that it was like a middle of the night birth and she's really tired and probably just wants to be sleeping but uh, um, she rocked it she really did that's what she signed up for <laughs> yeah, exactly so 
Um, but yeah, so anyways, I labored in the pool for a while and that was a really, that's like the most memorable part of my birth besides meeting my son, but (laughs) like truly magical. Like we had like little twinkle lights and like it was, I had, um, some worship, worship music playing and just really relaxing. And it was just me and my husband. Like I was leaning over the edge of the pool, like just with my husband and our doula was just hanging out, midwife, just hanging out in the background and, Every once in a while, she'd come and, you know, just kind of check, but um, just really cool. Mm -hmm. And let's see. So I remember a point, though, where she didn't want me on my hands and knees, which was sort of frustrating because I felt like things were progressing really well in that position. Yeah. And um, so I I remember sitting in the pool, but like on my back and like, this isn't really doing anything. And mentally, I kind of got to a spot where I'm like, like, I just want to get this over with like why is this not progressing um and so uh they both doula and both midwives had said hey do you want to like get out of the pool and try to get things moving again and so I did end up getting the getting out of the pool and um kind of went and sat on the toilet for a while and that really kind of helped um they had like a birthing stool they had I walked up and down the stairs a few times um and then things kind of started ramping up again mm-hmm. um, and let me think here so in my head I was like I'm gonna have this baby in the birth pool and uh I didn't have any like even throughout my prenatal care um and even during birth I didn't have any checks until the very very end I tried to check myself but didn't really like know what was I didn't know what I was looking for never done right. that <laughs> didn't really know what I'm supposed to feel um, and so I had asked her, I'm like, okay, like, can you just check and see? Cause like, I feel like he's not there. And she checked me once when I was sitting on the toilet and she's like, that's his head. Like he's right there. Do you want to get back in the birth pool? And I said, yes. So mm-hmm. I'm walking literally like 20 feet probably from the bathroom to the pool. And I was like, just about to get in the pool and like the strongest contraction hit. And I literally, you guys like dropped my knees clinging to the side of the pool Mm. Uh, and that this was like the moment right where I'm like yeah there's no way like we're having this baby right now (laughs) right yeah you're like this this is happening (laughs) yeah so um uh I don't really remember a lot of this but my when my husband talks about it he's like oh it was so crazy like they had headlamps on and like mirrors on the floor (laughs) and like yeah the way he talks about it it was just really intense right but um so really big contraction and um my midwife was trying to kind of listen to heart tones again and um I think there was probably like two well basically she kind of looked at me with a little bit more of a concern concerned face yeah and she basically said to me like directly to my eyes she's like Emily I would never tell you this normally, but I need you to push this baby out. Mm -hmm. At first, I was, like, kind of taken aback because she had never been so direct with me. Um, She had always been so willing to listen to what I wanted and what, you know, what, how I wanted things to go. (laughs) So, let's see. So, yep, basically she said, you need to push this baby out now. And I kind of questioned her a little bit, like, are you, are you sure? Because I, I don't feel like I'm ready for that yet. And um, the other midwife, they were kind of looking at each other. And my doula actually kind of told me this after because I was not paying attention to all of the surroundings. 
but she said like yeah they nodded at each other in agreement um and so anyways next contraction came and I started to push and probably it must have been probably two big pushes and he came flying out and um uh, I was like kind of hunched over against the birth pool but um my midwife caught him and brought him right up to my chest um and yeah, like it was just so awesome. It's such an incredible moment and just every ounce of any discomfort or any pain or anything that people think of, it's gone like immediately, mm-hmm. um, which is just something that like you can't really explain it until you experience it. It's like, um, it's like doing drugs. <laughs> literally, <laughs> better. Yeah. Oh, it's just like truly like euphoric in that yeah. moment. Yeah. And, um, yeah. So anyways, uh, I held on to them and, you know, they kind of were getting everything, checking me and just making sure like everything was fine, that I wasn't bleeding too much. And uh, uh, we had like, so in a home birth, right, you're like, oh my gosh, like what? Like, how does that work? (laughs) Um, But we had laid down like super heavy duty plastic over all of our carpeting and like even on part of our couch, like it was ready to go. So Mm -hmm. like no matter what the, any kind of mess or anything, like they had it all under control. And um they moved me to the couch and kind of were doing just an initial exam and making sure everything was okay and blood pressure and all of that. Um, and uh, he was on my chest the whole time. And um, I this is where all the fog happens because I was, like, not paying attention to anything. <coughs> and uh, so let's see here. Yeah, this is where it completely is just fog. But uh, I I literally don't remember delivering my placenta. Like, mm-hmm. not a memory I have. Uh, but apparently I did. And um, they, I just remember kind of like stammering, like, delayed cord cut. Like, and they're yeah. like, oh, yeah, yeah. Like, that's already, that's already over and done with. Like, we're good to go. And so Anthony cut his cord and we were just, you know, trying to snuggle him. And um, one thing that they noticed right away with him was, his color was just really off. Um, and then as they started evaluating him, his his respiration was really, really high. And he was having like chest retractions, which basically means like his rib cage was like going in instead of expert yep. coming in and out. Yep. And which is just a really sign of like very labored breathing. Yep. And um to be honest, like I didn't even really notice that because I was just such in that like, wow, like, you know, state. Mm-hmm. And they basically kind of brought it to my attention and they said, hey, like, you know, this is something we got to keep our eyes on. And um, so the first thing in my mind, being a pediatric chiropractor, is I'm like, give him to me. Like, I need to, I want to check him and adjust him and just make sure everything is working. Um, and as I was checking him, sure enough, like right between his shoulder blades, he was really, really rigid. Mm-hmm. Um, so the neurology in that area of the body actually regulates and controls all of our lung function and respiration. Um, and so I did a little tiny adjustment on him in hopes that that would be like, you know, instant magic, you know, everything would just start magically working again. Yeah. That's what, yeah. <laughs> um, but that wasn't the case, which was really a bummer. Um, and so they did have oxygen with that. They put a little kind of bypass mask over his face and, um, tried to kind of get him a little bit more oxygen because his, his levels were low. Mm-hmm. And, um, 
we were really like working on him, you know, thumping on his back and trying to kind of get just fluid out for about two hours. Um, yeah, it's probably, I mean, he came out so fast. Yep. That, yeah. you know, Looking back at it all, that's, I really truly think like that was the major factor for him. Just didn't get like a good, good squeeze of all the juices out. Absolutely. Yep. So we were monitoring him and the worst news to me because everything in my mind had gone so perfectly like from start to finish like from the moment my water broke to like him being out it was probably like 10 hours Mm -hmm. which was like a quarter of what I was expecting right and everything was just had gone so well that it was like such a bummer to hear that they basically said you know he's he's doing okay right now but if for some reason he got worse or kind of crashed home is not where we want to be yeah and, and it's, so, it's so hard. I've had this conversation with my friend a lot about how, like, even though it doesn't seem like it's like a huge deal, like to the outside world, when you are that person, it is the biggest deal in the entire world. And everything just seems so big when it's you and mm-hmm. like all the emotions and the hormones and everything is running through you. And like everything is such it's so big. Everything feels so big. Totally. Um, so, yeah, basically we're like, okay, like, yeah, we'll take him in. And um, our, the, the, this is the most comical part of all of it because the assistant midwife, she looked at my husband and she's like, hey, like, where's your hospital bag? And my husband's like, what? Like, hospital bag? Like, we don't have a hospital bag. Like, we weren't planning on going to the hospital. Like, that wasn't an option. And um, so she, she laughed and she's like, okay, well, where do I find all this stuff? <laughs> so she was like scrambling to grab everything. And, um, our doula was like helping clean up everything and, uh, getting me dressed and kind of get, getting stuff ready to roll. Uh, and then our primary midwife hopped in our vehicle with us and we, she started, she called ahead and said, Hey, you know, we're on our way. This baby was just born. Here's the situation. Um, and so when we, walked into the emergency room doors of one of the local hospitals. I have a bathrobe, my slippers, <laughs> and was like pretty much naked. <laughs> and probably looked absolutely like a train wreck. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Holding a naked little baby, like with blood still on him. And um, <laughs> we were those people. And um, yeah, so anyways, they uh, triaged us and they were checking him out and that was the first time actually in the hospital where like we weighed him and like, you know, we didn't have any birth stats on him because we just, there was too much kind of stuff we had to monitor mm-hmm. at home before we could really start to think about that stuff. Uh, and so, yeah, he was seven pounds, three, almost four ounces, but seven pounds, three ounces. And everything else was really good. Like the only thing they were concerned about with him was his respiration rate. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the next not so fun news after that was, you know, we'd like to admit him into the NICU. And so uh, we were like, okay, like, you know, if, if you really, if this isn't good, like we want to make sure he's okay. Mm-hmm. And so uh, they wheeled me up to the upper floor and got us into a room. Um, and of course, like that in and of itself is just overwhelming for any new parent or any parent in general when there's all these, you know, doctors and nursing staff and 
you know, cords and all this stuff that they're wanting to monitor, um, testing and, you know, all that stuff, which is part of the reason why we wanted to have a home birth was just to not have any of that and to have just like that peaceful, nobody messing with me or him kind of birth. Right. Yeah. And so in the moment, like I, I didn't feel super stressed out or like, overwhelmed right away but looking back at it all and kind of as I processed it over the next few months like it was for me more of like a a trauma or like a stressful kind of overwhelming experience that I didn't really have time to process it in the moment yep yep and so yeah so anyways um they did some testing some x-rays uh they kind of came up with a game plan for him and um one of the I think biggest blessings in that is that we had such an awesome team. Um, Our nurses were literally incredible. And even the neonatologist that we had listened to every single thing that we had concerns about and was just super open-minded to like what we wanted as parents. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we were so grateful for that. Um, And so basically like once a baby is admitted into the NICU, like you're kind of, in their world, right? Where they have to start almost like passing tests and like proving themselves in order to be uh, sent home. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, like literally it was like, okay, what do we have to do next to get out of here? Like what, what does he have to be able to do? Or so he was on, uh, he had an oxygen cannula for, we were, ended up being there for a total of about three and a half days, um, which for most people that have never been in the NICU, that that doesn't seem like that big of a deal. Yep. Um, and I, even myself, like whenever moms would come in with their babies, NICU babies, it was like, oh, like you guys were only there for two weeks. Like, oh, that's not too bad. Mm-hmm. Like in my mind, right? And one thing I will say now that I've been through that experience is my heart for NICU parents is so big. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is nothing more challenging than being kind of at the mercy of just like waiting and watching for your baby to be in quotes like normal again right yeah and there's like this vision that you have of your postpartum which always includes just you know laying at home on your couch breastfeeding your baby and relaxing in this blissful world of postpartum and then when that's just kind of like ripped from you it it's like I said, everything feels so big in those moments too. Totally. Yep. Um, so yeah, we battled through that and, um, I don't know how much you want me to go into just like his infant few days there, but, um, he did with like, because of the breathing problems, he actually was really struggling with feeding as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was just, I was going to ask about like, I guess your feeding plan and how that kind of went for you postpartum. So go ahead. Go ahead. He wasn't really like rooting at all, which, you know, I knew enough that like I knew that that was supposed to be something that, you know, that should happen. Mm -hmm. um, He was super, super just sluggish. Like even when nursing him, like he would fall asleep every time and just really had a hard time with feeding. Mm -hmm. Uh, Part of it, looking back at it, too, is he, he couldn't breathe. Mm-hmm. And so without being able to breathe, he couldn't really suck and he also couldn't swallow. And so they ended up putting a little tiny tube to kind of 
put breast milk through the tube into his belly, mm-hmm. uh, which was also really hard to see, you know, because there's just little tiny newborn with all these cords and all these, you know, things that just, yeah, just wasn't what, what we wanted for him. But so grateful that that is there and in place when things just don't go perfectly, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah. So anyways, for three days, that was like our primary focus is like, okay, how do we get him to start gaining weight? Uh, he did drop really significantly because he just couldn't, he couldn't eat. Mm-hmm. And, um, that was like our primary focus was how do we just get him to start gaining his weight back? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and obviously respiration without needing oxygen. So mm-hmm. uh, once we kind of passed those milestones, they ended up uh, sending us home, which was like the best day ever. <laughs> and uh, once we got home, like we kind of just worked to get into that normal routine. And uh, it takes a while, but eventually happened. Um, but yeah, I guess another piece of our story was that um, my son ended up having some pretty significant nursing struggles too. Mm-hmm. Uh, his latch was super shallow uh, and his palate after having like, I swear we had like 10 different providers look at him because I was just convinced that like we were missing something. Um, but his palate was super high, which anybody who has... <laughs> been in this position knows that nursing a baby with a really shallow and high palate is probably the most painful thing on the planet. Mm. Uh, And I I like joke about this sort of, but it really felt like it in the moment. I'm like, nursing this baby is more painful than birthing him. Yeah. Uh, And so I just remember being in tears and just gripping the chair with intense pain every single time I had to feed him. Mm-hmm. which when you have a really, really hungry, losing weight really fast baby and like having to go through that every single feeding was also trauma mm-hmm. looking back at it all because it was something that I, I was so desperately wanted to be able to do for him yeah, and fought like I fought through tears to be able to do it. And I'm so grateful that I did because we were able to preserve and save our breastfeeding journey um, but not without massive struggle. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that is, my heart goes out to you for sure. Those first few weeks and things like that are just so, so hard and nobody talks about it. That was something I think that's, that's actually what I tell all of my first time moms now is everybody's always so focused on birth, right? Which is important. Yeah. Super important. Um, but birth is one event. Yeah, it's one one like yeah, you do it one time and it's done and it's super awesome and super crazy and all the things. But like if breastfeeding and nursing is something that you're like wanting, that is something that you do so many times a day. Mm-hmm. And sure it's very natural, it's very instinctual, but for some babies and some moms, like it's not as easy as what you think it would be. Mm-hmm. Um, so I always tell all my first time moms, I'm like, hey, and like before you have this baby, like spend some time reading and learning and listening to other women. Yeah. Like about breastfeeding and try to learn as much as you can because it's it's truly like a dance. It's yeah. you know, baby has to learn, mom has to learn. There's so many things that can kind of be hiccups along the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
that was something I was I was absolutely blindsided by because in my mind I'm like oh like yeah I'm gonna breastfeed and like you just put them on your boob and they eat and all the things and um, yep. <laughs> and for some babies like I will say like that happens and that just is what it is and it, and not not that it's easy by any means but a lot of times they're can be like very little to no hiccups. Yep. Yeah. And it's for sure. Cool, you know, but for us, it was not that case. And <clears throat> even after we were uh, sent home, I sought out some other providers, uh, private practice, and some of the people that I had known from previous experiences and had them evalu- evaluated by a few different providers and kind of got to the consensus that he did have a pretty significant tongue and lip tie. Uh, along with like the cheek and high palate and just a lot of oral myo my muscle stuff that was really causing a lot of problems for us Um, and so we did like lactation every couple days and all the things and uh, for me postpartum was super super intense it was really really stressful and there was just so much I think like worry and just like it it felt like we were like climbing a mountain every single day trying to kind of get to the root of how to help our kid yeah and it was a lot like looking back at it all it's like you're sleep deprived and when we had so many struggles with just trying to get him to gain weight um that's what that's where like my heart goes up now is anytime moms or dads comes it come in and you can just see it on their face like they're in it Mm -hmm. Um, like that is what drives me now is like how do we help get these babies feeling better and functioning better and just thriving instead of you know fighting all these uphill battles and of course that affects everybody in the home not just a baby but um yes and then the other side of it so yes nursing was extremely painful and very very challenging for him um but he was also and I think this was part of the breathing stuff too is he was also a projectile vomiter so was my son Oh gosh. For like 10 months. (laughs) Oh, that's so hard. And we did chiropractors and all the things and nothing helped. (laughs) Oh yeah. That, I mean, I was checking and adjusting my son like as much as I could get my hands on him. Yep. And like, that was even more frustrating to me as a provider is like, why is this not working for us? But it works for everybody else. (laughs) Uh, And I think everybody else, because sometimes there's multiple, multiple factors in that, but for all the other babies that always get good results with this, with chiropractic, like, why is mine not? Yep. <laughs> uh, and so, uh, yeah, it was just a battle. Like, I would say for the first four months, like, getting him to gain weight and keep his food down was just <laughs> intense. And so um, eventually we got through it. And, like, again, like I said, we pres- pre- were able to preserve our breastfeeding journey for quite a while. Um, but it was just – really really difficult and I think that kind of was really stressful on my end um being out of the practice and then having had um I had hired a newer grad who uh took over and covered my maternity leave but also was like trying to kind of manage and help like whether it was through FaceTime or texts or Mm -hmm. and like truly like my practice was like kind of my first baby right like all the people that I loved and cared for like I've just le- I felt like I was like leaving them hanging right yeah, and like yeah. you know, we're going back you know back there and I know that sounds silly but it's like when you have kind of sacrificed everything to to 
be able to have that and build that and sustain that, it was really hard to kind of shut off yeah. and just focus only on now becoming a mom, right? And like all the things that come with that. Yeah. And, my, um, I was just going to touch on that because I, I was on my friend's podcast a couple of weeks ago about, you know, self-employment and it's so hard to, um, like you said, you work so hard for where you get to be and to just kind of like hand it over and hope that they do what you want them to is so hard. (laughs) And I was super blessed. Like things really, really went well, like while I was gone, which like is a game changer for just everything, but it's, it's still just made it a whole nother factor of, you know, like, okay, like (laughs) surrender, right. Which is like, the yeah. birth process of whatever's going to happen is going to happen and here we are so yeah did you I mean in your questionnaire you talked a little bit about are you um yeah a little bit about like pre or postnatal anxiety so I was just wondering like how did you feel in this process postpartum yeah so uh and it's funny because like you hear about that right before you've ever like been pregnant or had a baby or been in postpartum. But, um, when I was in it, I don't think I recognized it right away. Mm -hmm. I didn't, I didn't have like super low lows and like kind of depressive feelings. Like I, I definitely had like a little bit more stress and anxiety, but it, I was so used to feeling that at that point because of all the stuff like leading up to it. And then even just the first three, four days in the NICU, it's like all I hear is monitors and if he moves the wrong way and the monitor falls off, like everything starts beeping and lights start flashing and just the environment that we started in, I think kind of set us up for a little bit more stress, to be Mm -hmm. honest. And um, just high alert, like, you know, obviously is he breathing? Like, is is everything fine? Like, is he choking on his vomit that he's puking up every, (laughs) so there's a little bit more anxiety for me um, as well. And uh, he was just one of those babies that there was no kind of like fussing. It was like zero to a hundred where he's either asleep or he's screaming (laughs) bloody murder. And that for me was something that I could not have mentally prepared for. Um, I remember my midwife even saying like, he's really like, these are the signs of like a hungry baby. And so the cycle of like, oh my gosh, my baby's in my mind, I'm like, he's starving and he's hungry and now I have to feed him and now I have to have this like trauma, right? And so it was this cyclical like, I don't want to do this, but I know I have to do this and this, you know, like it was almost more of like a cycle, like a rate, like a rage versus an anxiety or depression. It was more of like just like crazy feeling, intense feelings of almost like an anger. angry at him or at myself it was just more of like the world (laughs) everything like it was just like intense inner feelings of like and I remember like crying and like you know just like almost like yelling like I hate this like I don't want to do this anymore um (laughs) and in the thick of it all it was just like yeah like I was in complete stress overdrive um and yeah just like the situation that we were in was just something that I had never mentally prepared for it's so hard those first few months are just like a dark blur I feel like for a lot of parents not everybody but a lot lot of parents (laughs) (laughs) a cycle of darkness (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> like called the dark times. And there's light. Like that's what I always want to tell parents is like there is light at the end of the tunnel. Like sure yeah. you might through like a phase that's really 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 challenging um but there's hope there's light like things will get better yep um and yeah and that even too like um the the biggest thing too that I can reiterate with that is like like don't be afraid to reach out to people because so many people have been through it too and they want to help you like I can't tell you enough like the bit one of the best things that people did for us was like they were bringing meals and like like making us not have to think about any of the other thing. Like make meals, clean the house. Yes. Like the laundry. Don't ask to hold the baby unless it's offered. Totally. So yeah, that was really helpful on our end. And like, yeah, any new parent, any new parents in your lives, like that's one of the best gifts you can give them is just to support them in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and for a few weeks, like a few months, right? Like when they're maybe mm-hmm. they're older and like, like it's still hard at that point, right? And so just finding ways to support new parents, um, really, really important and really, really meaningful. So, yeah. well, is there any, I guess, words of advice or um, resources you would like to share for anybody listening that I can jot down and share? Uh, yeah, I guess words of advice would just be to really just realize and understand, especially for new moms, because I can only speak to like my experience in that, is just really like embrace the process and trust, like really trust your body, right? Because birth is a beautiful and fascinating thing. And um, I know for me with birth, my my one word that I just kept kind of grounding myself in is just surrender, right? Mm-hmm nothing I can do or say or prepare for like will ever overpower what's going to happen right yeah Um, just surrender to whatever it is that this process for you is going to bring because it's a beautiful journey and there's a lot that you can learn through it Um, and just be looking for those those pieces that you can take and learn and apply to the rest of your life and for your children's life too so yeah Um, yeah, and then resources, uh, just that icpa4kids.org is really good for, like, prenatal care. And also, obviously, anybody who's Webster certified is typically really great with children as well. Um, and so that's my, like, as a pediatric and prenatal chiropractor, that is definitely something I would highly, highly, highly recommend um, just for your journey as well. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you can feel free to reach out to me. If you don't know, if you live somewhere that doesn't, that you're not sure of, um, my uh, Instagram is just Dr. Dr. Emily Acosta at gmail.com or not, not gmail.com, just at Dr. <laughs> Emily Acosta. Sorry. That's my email address. You can feel free to email me as well. Um, and I can certainly take a peek at your area and see if there's anyone in your area that would be qualified to help you and your child. Yeah. And if anybody's in the FM area, they can see Emily. <laughs> Yes, we would love to be a part of your journey. So yeah, well, I thank you so much for carving out uh, a couple hours of your life to share your story because it was so beautiful and I love oh, it. Thanks for having me. Yeah. This is the first time I've like shared it and had to recoup all of my my details and my thoughts about it. So yeah, and it's I feel like a lot of people say it's so nice to have 
So like in the future they have it and they could listen to it and kind of like remember their birth story or if their kids want to hear it, they can hear their own birth story. Like I just kind of think that's neat to have for the future. So thanks for joining. And I hope to maybe see you someday if I have another child. (laughs) Yes, come see us. (laughs) Having me, this was super fun.